Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. The world. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Spectacular. This is the greatest and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Happy Thursday, Valley sports fans. Good morning, everybody, to what will be a celebratory Thursday morning on the Bickley and Murata morning show. I am Dan Bickley, that is Vince Murata, and that guy behind the glass is the Hall of Fame update provider. <laughs> the reason why radio creates magic. <laughs> when I was a kid, I saw a movie called FM. Did you ever see it? One time. Okay. I was transfixed by it yeah. because it was this combination of radio, behind-the-scenes look, Bands, music, all this, and it mm-hmm. had a great soundtrack. Yes. Steely Dan and all that stuff. Never in my wildest dreams did I think it was all about scruffy mongrels like Jared. <laughs> when I left the movie theater that day as a youngster, I said, That looks like fun. But you hey. did see WKRP in Cincinnati. Guess who it that is. That was full of scruffy mongrels. <laughs> oh, what? Was Jared, let me help you out for the rest of the. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, morning. please. Uh, Jan Yannique. Jan oh, Yannique. Yeah. Don unique. He's okay. very unique. Yeah. I, that, was very unique. unique yeah, sure. that was a very hey, unique update. That was a Hey, how's everybody yeah, doing? That was a very unique update, Jared. So as you might have guessed, Sarah Cazell is not here. So we are Yeah. We're triangulating today. Yeah. <laughs> she went on her honeymoon with someone else. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um speaking of that, I you brought up a fascinating topic because I did see FM one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, there, there's some movies about radio, television. Usually it's a very inaccurate depiction of how the business goes. Mm-hmm. Would you say FM is the best radio movie there is? I can't think of a better one. Howard Stern's movie was good pretty mor- good. Good Morning Vietnam, but yeah. that wasn't really, that was more, that was more of, about a broadcaster. There's some good TV a, shows like News Radio. News Radio, yeah. Is that and good? Yeah. WKRP yeah. in Cincinnati. Yeah. Just Frazier. Frazier. Anybody remember Hello, Larry? I don't. I've Mc- heard. Of, Mc- I have heard of it. McLean Stevenson as a talk show host in Malibu. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> oh yeah, because I remember all the stupid yeah, crap in right, my life, and I forget right. all the important yeah, stuff. Right. Exactly. Listen up. The short-lived. I never Tony saw Kornheiser that. show. <laughs> yeah, Jason Alexander as Tony Kornheiser. Oh yeah, that Malcolm didn't Jamal last Warner as, long, Mike, did it? as Michael Wolbon. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. After Oops. day, they said after day two of filming, they banned Tony Kornheiser from the set because he was so annoying. Really? really? <laughs> and he was so like had notes on everything and like couldn't like watch it. Right. I it, I, 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 I can picture six that. Episodes. I could picture that. I don't. I mean, when I watch movies or television shows about radio, and I see mm-hmm. people like. Doing talk shows and things, and they're not even wearing headphones or have earplugs in at all. Yeah. Like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, how does that work out? Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. All right, we've got a lot to get into today, including a 62-win basketball team. What? Start the show, Jarrett. The 
splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Another box checks for the Phoenix Suns. They've tied their franchise record. 62 wins in a season, but. Number 62 wasn't easy or especially pleasing to the eye. Devin Booker gave the Suns a one-point lead with two free throws with just 34 seconds left. 21 seconds later, Chris Paul hit an off-balance shot in the lane to stretch the lead to three. The Suns would hang on for a 107-103 win over the Golden State Warriors at Chase Center. The Suns won despite 38 points from a hot-shooting Jordan Poole and an off-shooting night for themselves. They hit on just 41.3% from the floor and just 7 of 28 three-pointers. Devin Book, Booker, who's been on an MVP pay, struggled. He went 5 of 21 from the floor, but along with Mikel Bridges, still led the Suns with 22 points. DeAndre Ayton, 16 points, 16 rebounds. Chris Paul had 15 and 8. Suns also pushed their record to 46-0 and on the season in games they've led heading into the fourth quarter and remain on pace for the best road record in league history as they push their mark away from footprint center to a 31-6 and on the season, that road trip continues Friday night in Memphis against the scorching hot Grizzlies. A lot of uh, talk about that game last night. Mm-hmm. It was uh, another weird, weird yeah, basketball was. game. There are a lot of ways to interpret last night's game, if it even means anything at all in the long run. There's a lot of ways you can twist this and yes. look at this and feel good about it or feel a little anxious about it. Yeah, there's a, this, is a, this is an interesting one. There was a lot to chew on, um, but it it was it was a tough watch for a lot of the nights. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the Suns' next opponent, Memphis hung on to beat San Antonio 112-111. Keldon Johnson missed a layup with two seconds left that would have given the Spurs the uh, lead. Grizzlies win the Southwest Division for the first time in franchise history. Uh, and San Antonio's loss puts the Lakers back into 10th place in the Western Conference, although LeBron James has now left the road trip that the Lakers are on because he's got to rehab that ankle. Yeah. For what? I have no idea. Yeah, I think we may have seen the last of LeBron James, Vinny. Maybe. Well, this year. In a Lakers. Don't tease us. In a Lakers jersey? There's, I've heard two theories on this. One, the Lakers are going to punt one more game, and then with six games to go, they're going to make a run for it with Anthony Davis Uh and LeBron James. Yeah. Or they're just, they're just, they're just putting up the white flags, and so LeBron will distance and get away from this. He'll be not no- his fault. He'll be <laughs> <laughs> he'll be nowhere near a basketball court in the last game of the season. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, there will be no pictures of him leaving the floor with the twenty one twenty two Lakers. Not in a regular season game. No. Nope. Uh, Denver blew a thirty one point second quarter lead, then hung on to beat Indiana one twenty five one eighteen. Nikola Jokic thirty seven thirteen and nine for the Nuggets. Miami with a statement win. They won in Boston 106-98. They strengthened their small hold on the number one spot in the East. Boston stays fourth, two games back with five to play. Uh, Cardinals news of sorts. ESPN's Field Yates reported yesterday that free agent wide receiver Malik Turner visiting the Cardinals. Turner spent last season in Dallas, caught 12 passes for 149 yards and three touchdowns. There was huge news in the league yesterday, though. Bruce Arians stepping away from his head coaching position with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, moving into a front office position. Defensive coordinator Todd Bowles will take over the reins as head coach for the 2022 season. Love that guy. Arians said the decision was not motivated by his health, 
B.A. went 31-18 and 18 in three years as the Bucks head coach and, of course, won a Super Bowl in his second season in 2020. Shocking story, timing strange, I, lots of accusations flying back and forth. It's a juicy story. Like the Suns game, there's a lot of ways to look at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll just say this. If Tom Brady had a hand in pushing B.A. to the sidelines of football for good, upstairs for good, then I'm going to hate him even more than I do. Well, yeah, we've got a lot of thoughts on this. Um, Former Cardinals cornerback Patrick Peterson said on his podcast he's re-signing with the Minnesota Vikings. Peterson signed with Minnesota last offseason after a decade in Arizona. He also said Buffalo, Chicago, Indianapolis, Washington, and Tampa Bay all had interest in bringing him in. Injuries limited him to 13 games last year. He did have 45 tackles, five passes defensed, and a pick six, which was his first since 2015. Uh, I know there was some some clamoring from Cardinal fans for Peterson to come back to Arizona. Ain't happening. Didn't expect it to. Three-time Pro Bowl safety Malcolm Jenkins of the Saints announced his retirement after 13 years in the league. Coyotes snapped their losing streak at six. They got a 5-2 win over the Sharks at Gila River Arena. Tied 2-2 heading into the third. The Coyotes got goals from Jan Yannick, Barrett Hayton, and Nick Schmaltz to put it away, but the win was a costly one as leading scorer Clayton Keller left the game on a stretcher after a collision into the boards in the third period. Keller was transported to a hospital for further evaluation. Coyotes will host Anaheim tomorrow night in Glendale. Yeah, that did not look good. His leg did not look very responsive when he was kind of turned over and put on that stretcher and I, uh, I that's that's going to be the end of Clayton Keller's season I can guarantee you that yes and for a guy who uh, despite his his small stature yeah has been kind of an iron man he has yeah. a consecutive game streak going but yeah it, it did right. not look good so yeah D-backs all beat, the best to him yeah D-backs beat Colorado 9-2 in Cactus League play at Salt River Fields David Peralta continued his red hot spring two hits another home run Geraldo Perdomo Jake McCarthy Matt Davidson also homered for the Snakes, and Zach Gallen went two and two-thirds innings through 36 pitches in his spring training debut, allowed just one hit, no runs, struck out two. D-backs host San Diego today at Salt River Fields at 110. And the United States is returning to the World Cup. Yes, they did lose their last qualifying match, 2 nothing to Costa Rica in San Jose last night. But as long as they didn't lose by six goals, they'd clinch. How inspiring is that? Yeah, We only that? lost by two. They had a lot of USMNT fans clenching for a while. Yes, they did. Uh, Canada and Mexico, the other two squads from my favorite sports acronym, CONCACAF, who are in the <laughs> World Cup in Qatar in uh, November. There you go. There's your splash for the final day of March. Man, this month is already over, and this year is flying by. Uh, Coming up next, we'll get deeper into the Suns' 62nd win of the year over the Golden State Warriors. That is next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chan Community Studios, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. I think the connection of our team is is huge. Like in this environment, uh, that was a playoff environment with the officiating, the physicality, and their crowd. Our camaraderie, our connection, our togetherness is what gets you through, especially when you don't shoot the ball well. A lot of times in a lot of teams, when they don't shoot it well, things tend to wane a bit. And all of our guys just kept telling each other to hang in there and They've been like that for a long time. I mean, they they do everything together, card playing, meeting at each other's homes, 
and it pays off in, in situations like this when you're on the road. It's Monty Williams, head coach of the Suns. They hang on for a 107-103 win over Golden State at Chase Center last night uh, in a game that did have playoff intensity, certainly. It was uh, missing some key members for each team. No Steph Curry for Golden State, no Cam Johnson or JaVale McGee for the Suns. It was missing other things like, I don't know, taking care of the basketball and good shooting by most of the players on the floor. Uh, It was a strange game, but I think Monty brings up a great point. The Suns had to rely on chemistry there. Uh, without that, they don't they don't win that basketball game. Last yeah, night. no, I th- I think that uh, it it was very very sloppy in in pretty much patches all throughout the game. And uh, th- there's a lot of things to take away from this. Number one, you can look at this and say, okay, the Phoenix Suns they they have continued uh, to win games on the road. They continue to find ways to win. Chris Paul kind of reestablishing himself last night uh-huh. as an end game closer. Um, not as ruthless and as dramatic as we've seen, but it was enough to get the job done. So they get the 62 wins, which was a big goal of them. They did it on the road, and they did it against a, a noisy, yappy team uh, that that still believes they are the Phoenix Suns equal. Okay, so that's the good news. The bad news is Steph Curry did not play, and granted, JaVale McGee didn't play, and neither did Cam Johnson. So there's mitigating losses on both sides. But given the level that the Suns were at, and given the level that the Warriors were not at going into last night's game, it might have been a little too close for comfort. Uh, in a game that came down to a couple of really bad mental error- errors from the Warriors, from the Draymond Green travel to to all of it. Jordan Poole making a terrible foul down the stretch, and also you know, the last. I mean, and what was he doing at that last shot? I thought he was going to get fouled, contact. but shooting a forty footer with five seconds to go was ridiculous. I, I'm not here to hate on the Phoenix Suns today, but I'm just going to tell you, I just I really hate this foul hunting garbage in the NBA, and the Suns do it constantly. They're not the only team. I just don't like it. So can no, I it's just a, say, it's a bad just trend. say that because it's bo- it bothers me when I watch it. No, it's a, and it, like you said, it's not, it's not a Suns phenomenon. It's, no. it's everywhere. It's Crowder everywhere. and Booker especially. Crowder and Booker are yeah. the guys who do it the well, most. Cameron Payne does it a lot. Yeah, too. Cameron <laughs> Payne does it as well. And I just I would love for the NBA to get past it because it upsets me when I watch that. That's not the way the game is supposed to be played. All right, now that I've said that and gotten that off my chest. Um, so Devin Booker had invariably the end of his hot streak ended last night. Yes. And, and Chris Paul found enough to get that team over the top down these stretch. So that's all the ways you can look at it. And then you could also look at it that this is game number 76. Is that right? 77, whatever it it was. 76 last night. Game number 76 in a regular season. So we can read everything we want and do it. We can read nothing at all. The Suns still um, have a winning streak going. They do. The nine in a row, they're they're looking for their uh, one more win. will put them at, at three double digit win streaks for the year. Can I just make kind of a thesis statement? Now we've seen the, these two teams meet four times. They split, excuse me, uh, two and two this year. Um, and we've seen different you know, personnel groupings throughout the four matchups. But I think from the Suns' standpoint, and I think this really stood out last night, I think this, there's something about the Warriors that makes the Suns press a little bit. Yeah, a little that uncomfortable. Ma- makes mm-hmm. them uneasy. Yeah. And kind of pulls them out of their comfort zone. Great point. Because even during you know the, the the close games in this winning streak, the Suns played Suns basketball. They didn't look like the same team no. last night. No, they didn't. And I guess credit to Golden State for that. Maybe it's the Draymond Green factor. Uh, Jordan Poole was shooting like a crazy man last night, and you know he can do that. 
Um, that was kind of canceled out by Clay Thompson looking. Uh, I know it's a one game sample, but and that's the first time the Suns have seen Clay Thompson since he came back. He looked washed last night. Well, he, he, oh, he had did an he ever. awful, awful did basketball he ever. game. No, you're so right about but that. But I just think the Suns kind of they try too hard against the Warriors. I think that's what it is. And I th- uh, everything you just said, uh, uh, yes, we're gonna we're gonna repeat that because I think that's a a, a great takeaway. With this. It, uh, w- whether you want to call it a rivalry or what, there's clearly something about the Warriors that that makes the Suns a bit uneasy. They don't kind of carry that same vibe. And I think a lot of it is Draymond. And I think a lot of it is these Suns players, these young players, even Chris Paul, they they know that team has been to the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. So trying to flex on a team like that, I I don't know what it is, but I think you're right on the money. It just, they just didn't look like the same group. It's, it is one of those games though, that you can make it fit whichever narrative you want it to fit. Because you could also say if Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton have just an average offensive shooting game, the Suns win by 10 or 15 points. Mm-hmm. So, are you, you know, this is the outlier game, but is it an outlier game because it was the Warriors? That's, that's the and question. can they always get that's that out question. of the... They could always make the guys have that well, outlier game. Yeah, and then kind of advancing that a little bit, I was reading on, on social media during the game and texting with some people too, and like in the grand scheme of things, this game doesn't matter. And I, I wasn't ready to go down that road yet either. Because this is a potential playoff matchup for the Suns. Potential second round playoff Potent- matchup. Now. The way things are trending now, you know, they might fall into that four or five first round matchup, and I think they would be heavily favored against whoever they play in the five. But mm-hmm. um I if I'm the Suns, I don't want to I don't want to give Golden State any confidence. Like they're going into a series exactly. knowing that they beat you three out of four despite different personnel lineups. That was a very important win, I think, from a squelching of confidence standpoint. If it did that. If, if it if, did. If it wasn't a morale victory that the Warriors were able to keep it that close. Now, I would really feel that way if Cam Johnson were playing and JaVale McGee were there and all that kind of stuff. But but to me, I think the Warriors could walk away from last night's game thinking, we're right there with them. Mm-hmm. Even, though that wasn't a fu- even though that was not a fully stocked Suns team, which there will be a fully stocked Suns team. There's no, there's no lingering issues about these guys coming back. Yeah. It, it, still, that's you know, with Booker and Paul on the court together, they they can convince themselves we can hang with those with those guys. Yeah. Look, that was all us. That was all us making stupid plays at the end of the game. Well, I mean, and honestly speaking, of their starting lineup, I think one Golden State player played well. That was Poole. Yeah, Looney didn't do anything. Thompson was horrible, as we mentioned. That was not a classic Draymond Green game. He did a lot of dumb things in that game. Andrew mm-hmm. Wiggins, I think, is one of the most overrated players we've seen in, in quite some time. Their bench, I thought, played outplayed the Suns' bench. Yeah, but you know, a lot of the reaction too. And I tweeted this: It's weird to watch the Suns play basketball because the bar is so high when they don't play to that I bar. Know. You're like, oh, th- what is this? I know you're right. And then the next level of that is, oh, it's all DeAndre Ayton's fault. He can't hit the broadside of he a bar. One of those games last night. He had a very, very frustrating game. Yes, now he, he did. did. When you can have a frustrating game where you're out of sorts and still come up with 16 and 16, you did something right. But I want to pivot on something that you bring up a lot, and a lot of Suns fans bring up mm-hmm. about the playing with force issue. Mm-hmm. I could give a rat's behind right now about DeAndre Ayton finishing dunks with force. Uh-huh. I want him to catch the ball with, with force. Yes. It's becoming more than a concern right now 
Uh, 16 rebounds, but how many could he? Have, how many of those were clean rebounds? Not many. And the great rebounders in basketball leave no doubt. The ball is in the air; it's mine, and once it's in my hands, you're not slapping at it or getting no it. Doubt. And there was a—I mean, there's been recently, not just last night, a lot of times that DeAndre Ayton will either volleyball the rebound to himself or have it knocked away out of his hands and uh, creates a turnover. Uh-huh. It was—it was. It was Statistically okay outside of the shooting percentage for DA, but man, was that a frustrating yeah, performance yeah, last I night? I agree with you. I, last night it was. Uh, this is great. So last night I'm I'm watching the game with my father-in-law, who's in town from Chicago, and at some point near the end, he just made a random comment about DA's. Why won't he dunk the ball? And I looked at him as hallelujah. <laughs> But I agree with you. Last night, it wasn't about the dunks. It wasn't about creating and adding momentum to the game. It's about get your hands working, man. Activate your hands. You mentioned you see guys, big guys, when they play with force, they very frequently will catch the ball with one hand and slap their left hand onto it in an alpha male show of get out of my way. Yeah. Yeah. I got my meat hooks on this thing. Come try to get it. Right. Come try to get it. And, And we've seen them do it. That's always the thing with DA. It's like it's not like this is always a deficiency. It's just you know. It's, and they won. And they won. Yeah, and they won. How did they, they won? win? Here's they Monty win. Williams talking about DeAndre Ayton on a bad shooting night for him, seven of seventeen from the floor, but still contributing. The conversation I just had with DeAndre is the conversation that, you know, needs to be had at times. Like he, he thought he didn't play that well because he was seven for seventeen. And I only showed him like part of the stat sheet. And then I slid my hand down and showed him where he had 16 rebounds. And he goes, oh, I said, yeah, that, that, that's how you win. So even on nights when you don't shoot the ball well, you can find ways to affect the game. Whether it's executing down the stretch, uh, figuring out the angle of the screen so Chris and Book can get to the basket, uh, 50-50 balls, whatever it is, like you just figure it out so that you can get the win. Yeah, but but on the flip side of that too, DeAndre Ayton going up against you're going to throw Kavon Looney and Nemanja Bialica out there against DeAndre Ayton. Bless he you. should have thirty and twenty. Yes, and exactly. Be, and be efficient in doing right, it. Right, exactly. But, exactly. Yeah, that's again how high the bar is set for the Suns. Well, and it should be. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, that's they're going what they, for a championship. That's what they play to they play to their yes. standards. That's Nothing we, less right. is acceptable. Exactly. We've discussed. We've talked about this, and I think the team feels that way as well. Uh, so that road trip will continue. On a Friday night in Memphis, the Suns going for a franchise record 63rd win, and they'll have to beat a very, very hot Memphis Grizzlies team yeah, it's gonna be good. to uh, do that. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, B.A., come out, baby! <laughs> Not a direct quote, but it could have Time been. Time for crowning cubes, baby! <laughs> Is there a bar in my office? We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arian's standpoint, he always wanted to leave this team to the guys who he who had coached with him for a long time or who he knew for a long time. Todd Bowles, uh, going back to the days in Arizona before Todd Bowles got the Jets job, Bruce Arians loves Todd Bowles, loves him. And he wanted to make sure that if he left this team, that he was going to be able to give it to a coach who he knew and respected and he was going to be able to do it while the 31 coaches and staff people he had 
were taken care of. That's Peter King from NBCSports.com. He was one of the reporters that broke the story yesterday. Bruce Arians, on a Wednesday afternoon, right after the conclusion of the league meetings in Palm Beach, Florida, says, I'm uh, I'm I'm leaving the sideline and I'm bumping myself to a front office position created just for me. Senior football consultant and hands the reins to Todd Bowles. And the weird, weird offseason continues, not across the NFL, but certainly in Tampa Bay. When you had a retirement from Tom Brady, then a change of heart after 40 days to come back. Then there were the reports, Bick, that Tom Brady still could be in play for Miami in a trade. Then the head coach, Bruce Arians, ups and leaves Yeah, you know, at the end of March. Um it, it it lends itself and and, and BA. My first thought was, man, I hope BA is okay, mm-hmm. health wise. We know that at the end of his time in Arizona, you could tell he was shot. He was worn down, and mm-hmm. he was worried about his his future health. Um, so that was my first thought. He says it's not about health, so that opens up the door for many other theories on why this is happening. Right. Yeah, uh, let's start with Mike Sando, who in a in a couple of tweets and only his in the only way he can with his snark and sarcasm. Quote: In my experience, a lot of NFL head coaches with Hall of Fame quarterbacks suddenly decide in late March. You know what? Front office consulting sounds amazing right about now. Most of them resist the urge, but not all are able. In other words, that's just a brilliant way of saying how bizarre this set of circumstances happens to be. And so so to me, you really do have to wonder, okay, was this a matter of Tom Brady wanting to come back but but letting the owner, the Glazer family in Tampa, hey, it's a little too sloppy here. I'd like a different head coach. Look, that's all possible. It's all possible because the idea that BA suddenly said, you know what, I want Todd Bowles to have a to have a real good runway here, yeah, at least one year with Tom Brady. Y- you want to believe that's true, but the chronology of this is really, as the kids like to say, Vinny, sus. <laughs> Ugh, it's really. <laughs> I'm not blaming you. No, I don't. Just, I you know, your kids are busy; they can't finish words. Uh-huh. Now. That that extra syllable is going to put put a wrench in their whole day. It is possible. What you just said is possible. That the sloppiness, you mentioned it at the end of the year, Tom Brady maybe not feeling the whole loose vibe of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially when a season doesn't end in a Super Bowl win, Mm -hmm. maybe looking and saying, do I really want a part of this? And I heard, uh, you know, after this news broke yesterday, this morning, I heard Teddy Bruschi on ESPN Radio talking about that very thing and maybe Tom Brady approaching... um, the ownership and the front office of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and making that known. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I, I like things a little bit more buttoned up. And I got actually pissed at, at hearing that as even a possibility. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady had that for 20 years yeah. in New England. right? And they won six Super Bowls together mm-hmm. with Bill Belichick. But Tom Brady may be seeking a di- you know, different way to do things, maybe a looser mentality. Then he gets the looser mentality and wins a Super Bowl, and that's not enough. Uh, you know what, Tom Brady, right. stay retired. Listen, this man. is this is yeah. This is this is the the same level of anger that I'm fighting. Here's the chronology. On January 10th, 
on a, a, a national website, the Buccaneers were listed as a potential wild card surprise team that might have a new quarterback in 2022. And it was based on a tip that people close to Tom Brady since the season had been taxing on a lot of multiple fronts. Mm-hmm. I told you that that's in line with what my guy in Tampa told me, that there was a lot of stuff swirling in the air in Tampa that last month of the season, and not a lot of it was good. Okay, January 23rd, two weeks later, Buck season ends with the loss to the Rams. A week later, Adam Schefter reports Brady plans to retire. The next day, Brady announces his retirement. A week later, Brady, during the podcast with Jim Gray, makes the never-say-never comment. <laughs> Suddenly, he's back into play. On March 1st, Bruce Arians at the Combine predicts Tom Brady will not return, suggests that Brady left the door open only because, quote, like a lot of guys, he likes his name out there, baby. Okay, 11 days later, the Glazer family hosts Brady and his sons at a Manchester United game. By the, the way, next, they own the Bucks. The next day, Tom Brady announces his return to the Bucks. Two weeks later, Bruce, and Ar- Bruce Arians announces his retirement. Did, is, do you need people to connect the dots for you? Is this the last we hear on this front? Because now people are speculating about that whole Miami report could this could this mean something probably not at this point with BA gone but Jeremy Fowler says uh this doesn't mean that Tom Brady is uh really going anywhere there doesn't seem to be some weird conspiracy theory going on you know there have been whispers about this for a while even dating back to last year with Bull stepping into this role I don't think it means anything weird for Tom Brady that he's off to Miami or some other team. You know, he's been involved in their free agency plan. In some cases, adding free agents like Russell Gage, Leonard Fournette on offense. Brady was a part of that and even called the players in some cases. So based on all that we know, he should still be a buck with Todd Bowles as his head coach. Now about that reported fit or maybe clashing of philosophies between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. Here's Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN saying this might make Tom Brady more comfortable. If I'm the Buccaneers, I think I've improved my chances of keeping Tom Brady in the future. I've worked for Coach Belichick. I've worked with Coach Bowles. Todd Bowles is his own man, but he's much more similar to Bill Belichick and his style than what Bruce Arians was. And I think watching the situation there, Tom Brady's going to be more comfortable in that environment. So if I'm the Buccaneers, I actually think this is a tremendous positive. And the other thing, guys, when you think about Pierre Paul and Dominican Sue, we talk about the aura of association and how offensive players are going to want to play for Tom Brady. Likewise, those defensive players, those free agents, if they don't get what they want on the market, Playing for Todd Bowles is going to be a massive positive. So I think this is a big, big win for Tampa, not just short-term, but long-term. Again, going back to that whole philosophy, like, oh, I want it to be more like it was in New England. And why'd you leave New England? Careful what you wish for, Tommy. That is, uh, so if, if you wanted to flip this and say, okay, you want to look at it a different way, maybe you could say, maybe Tom Brady did something that needed to be done for, the, for him to get another ring. I would say that football team was tied with the... If it wasn't for a defensive breakdown, the Rams might not have even been in the Super Bowl. So I'm with you, man. It's To me, this is just another one... Uh, this is just another flex from Tom Brady. This is no different than going to Robert Kraft and demanding Jimmy Garoppolo gets out of town. Huh? It's no different. And it, this is... Yeah, and, and it's, it's all going to be played off... And you saw you saw Tom send off to BA, how flowery it was. Uh-huh. Wonder how long that had been written. 
Probably. Apparently, everybody knew this was going to happen. The, yeah. t- the day after Tom Brady came back, he was notified, hey, B.A. is bumping upstairs. Yeah. Uh-huh. What a mess. It is. Again, and so if Tom Brady is, so if B.A. did not want to do this and has taken one for the team, I, you know, I, I love B.A., but that just, that's just, this is why I do not like Tom Brady. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get the most money selling your home for cash. Go to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. Coming up next in this NFL offseason, an NFL owner is actually being criticized for being honest. What world are we in? We'll get into that and more next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. When we made the decision after Philip retired, and we made the decision to to make a move on Carson, um, at the time of the decision, we felt good about it, and I still don't regret the decision at the time. That's Chris Ballard, the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. That's back on January thirteenth, after the Colts really, really fumbled their their playoff spot away. They lost to Las Vegas, and then inexplicably got dominated in Week eighteen against Jacksonville on the road. Win and you're in, lose and you're out, they lost. And that opened some eyes. Now, what has transpired since is Carson Wentz, one-year experiment in Indianapolis is over. Yeah. He was dealt to the Washington Commanders. Uh, but at the league meetings in Palm Beach this week, Jim Irsay, uh, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, was very forthright, very honest about the Carson Wentz experience. He said, quote, I think the worst thing you can do is have a mistake and try to keep living with it going forward. For us, it was something we had to move away from from a franchi- as a franchise. It was very obvious, specifically about the loss to Jacksonville, Bick. Ursay said, no disrespect to Jacksonville, but I mean they're the worst team in the league. You play well and hard for the first quarter or so, and they're looking to go to their locker room and clean it out. I've never seen anything like that in my life. You say, my God, there's something wrong here. It needs to be corrected. I think that we feel like we did. I was flipping through the channels yesterday after right. work, and I, you know, having having my uh, my my brunch, if you will. <laughs> uh huh. And I happened upon CBS Sports Network, and the Maggie and Perloff National Radio Show was on, and they were having a discussion about this, and the Maggie portion of the show, Maggie Gray. She was going off on Jim Ursay saying, why do you have to kick a man when he's down? Why, you know, Carson Wentz is not your problem anymore. He's the problem of the Washington Commanders now. You got him out of your building. You rebounded with Matt Ryan, a respected veteran quarterback. Why do you have to make these comments? Uh-huh. And I'm sitting here and I'm trying to apply everything to, to, to the Arizona Cardinals. And we've talked a lot about the Cardinals' lack of transparency and information for that, for that matter this yeah, offseason. Yeah, right. Jim Ursay made those comments for a fan base that is A, pissed off, and B, hurting. Mm -hmm. That what the Carson Wentz-led Colts did in the last two weeks of the season will not be tolerated. And yeah, is it kicking a man when he's down? Yeah. Kind of, but so be it. He is looking to the future and reassuring the fan base that that won't happen again. And to me... That's what a, a, an organization should do. Yeah. 
I'm with you on this, and and I think that, uh, and you know how I feel about the Cardinals. I think that they are stuck in a a spin cycle kind of approach that that I would really like them to kind of adjust because there is no flow of anything that resembles transparency, and I do think it takes a toll on a fan base. I think when you look at the Colts and you look at Jim Mercy, what you're talking about here is relatability. It's it's making clear to your fan base exactly that a we know what the issue was, b we are going to be honest with you and tell you forthright because what, what what's the option? The option is that people on the Colts whisper to Colts reporters behind everyone's back about how weird Carson Wentz was and how it just wasn't a fit and how they didn't trust him in big games to be smart with the football. And so that's okay. That's better to backstab a person. That's not that's not better. That's not okay. No. Either way, they're going to try to get their message out. And when you, as an owner, can stand up and just say that guy wasn't our cup of tea, I think your fan base appreciates it. Yeah, and you moved on. Fail quickly, and don't take this the wrong way. If you're listening to this and you're listening as an Arizona Cardinal fan, I'm not saying that Steve Kime or Michael Bidwell has to come out and say we lost that playoff game because of Kyler Murray. I don't believe that. I don't think anybody played well. Kyler Murray included. But you talk about the the back-channeling that went on. What happened on Super Bowl Sunday? These reports that came f- reportedly from the organization. Chris Mortensen's been doing this thing a long time. Oh, yeah. He's not going on the air yeah. or on Twitter with anything that he hasn't vetted out. That came from somewhere trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Cardinals are in the situation that they're in, partially. Yeah, you no doubt. There's no doubt about that. And now, what would be what would be the, the the pain in saying, you know, we're disappointed, we lost, we believe we believe in Kyler Murray moving forward, but he's got to be better in big game yeah, situations. That's, I don't think there's any issue in that. I one of the things about Ba Ba was was he he, he was at the other end of that spectrum, calling guys out, cussing at guys, IDing guys, and and didn't always work. No. But there was there was one difference there. Ba when 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 he was paired with Carson Palmer, mm-hmm. Carson Palmer could basically do no wrong in his eyes. I just <laughs> well, he, do the do yeah, the Cardinals ahead, fear that Kyler Murray will go Ben Simmons if they do that? I, uh, because that's essentially it, what the Seventy Sixers did at the end of last year, and it just set off a, a chain of dominoes. Well, I mean, you have to consider the language, the language that was used by the Seventy Sixers right after that that playoff elimination. The question was, can you win with Ben Simmons? And there was hemming and hawing, and there wasn't a definitive yes. Right. They kind of said, no, we don't believe right. we can win with him because yeah. the, the emotion of the loss was so raw. They have been, I mean, again, this is something that they have done uh, consistently with Kyler Murray. The kid glove approach. And it go back to the Bart Scott criticism about leadership that Steve Keim came on a radio show and said, that's not an issue. I'm around this guy. There's no concerns about this at all. That's that is that's the kind of stuff that can leave a mark. So I agree with you. I, I think that the people who want the NFL to keep all its secrets are, are kind of getting it wrong. The NFL is a big boy sport, right? If if are you afraid that Carson Wentz is going to get all in his feelings now? Because Jim Irsay said, yeah, you know when you got to move off of a guy. Also, in conclusion, let me quote the great Bobby the Brain Heenan. <laughs> Always kick a man when he's down, because that's when he's closest to your foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, I, 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 this this conversation can go in a lot of different ways, but I also, I also believe that 
that it's it's very hard in this day and age um, of brand awareness for for teams to fully embrace cold hard truths from broadcasters from whatever and and I think it's just a wrong turn they take because I think fans. I think the fans appreciate the honesty and the objectivity they, more than they know. Look, I'm not, and I'm not suggesting it's not a fine line to, to to walk that line if you're an organization. But I know me personally, and I think a lot of other Cardinal fans feel this way. After that playoff debacle we saw, mm-hmm. when the, there were the reports and the, the back and forth of whether or not a tense meeting happened between Michael Bidwell, Steve Kime, and Cliff Kingsbury, I was like, "Damn right, that should happen." Yeah. Right. You won eleven games. That's you right. were ten and two at one point, and you put that out in the playoffs. That should have happened. If that and then there didn't was, upset you. Something's wrong. Then there was a softening of that, and and again, that's you know where we, we where we are now. With with regardless of how you feel about Kyler Murray, well, there's there's a level of uncertainty, and it there. worries you that the and I'm not making this specific to the Cardinals. It worries you that an organization or a franchise that feels the need to spin stuff frequently is not very comfortable in their approach, or if their approach is going to work. Yeah, you can wonder that. So I tip my cap to Jim Irsay. Yeah, again, yeah, I, he's, I, he's not your problem anymore. So why do you got to be nice? <laughs> You feel like you upgraded, and that's what you should be doing mm-hmm. after that finish. Yeah, yeah. I, and I'm sure his fans are clapping that. Yes. His, his fans feel better about the state of that organization because he said that than rather had he not. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm not advocating for sweeping changes at the quarterback position. Don't hear me wrong. I'm just talking about the organizational approach being different. That's all. Coming up next, uh, Suns get a win in uh, Golden State, number 62 on the year. We'll relive it through some... Suns in four highlights straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak Chin Community Studios on this Thursday, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.